Welcome to Mad Writers Union. Speculative destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf. I'm Tim Berger. And I'm Nina Niskanen. And I have a problem. Oh, Nina. Huh? You're perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but my stories aren't, which is why we have this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, lately I've been trying to write a lot of short fiction because of the science fiction fairy tales course that I've been taking. But what has happened several times over now is that I start writing what I think is a short story and while I'm writing it, it turns into a novella or even a novel, like a full-blown hundred thousand word novel. Mm -hmm. And this is becoming a problem because <laughs> I want to write short stories. <laughs> Help. So here's our merry moment. Mary Robinette Cole <laughs> has a lot of advice on the size of stories, on the parameters of the story and, and how those can help to define your needs as far as word count goes. One of the pieces of advice, and I've seen this repeated in a few different places, is that every character or scene implication that you add to a story adds 500 to 1,000 words even before you get to the actual meat of the story. So the more characters that you have, the more set pieces, the more specific scenes that are required to move your characters from the starting point to the ending point, the more words you're going to have. To expand on that, when I took the class from Mary and she started talking about story length and everything like that, the 500 to 1,000 word, that's you writing at the top of your game. That is you yeah, at your yeah. absolute best. Not a wasted word. That's your edited copy. Yes. Not your initial vomit draft. Not your, yeah, your first or second or even maybe even your third draft. Mary mentioned the same thing during the class I took. And I thought I was good when I was rewriting the Cinderella story into this sort of science fiction thing. Mm -hmm. I had four characters, three at the outside. Mm -hmm. That's the Cinderella, the fairy godmother, and the mother. And then there's a fourth character who is not really relevant anymore. <laughs> or re not really relevant to the story. And I'm still at 12,000 words. Mm. Yes. And I'm not even finished. Because of the number of set pieces that you need to get through for a Cinderella story. Right. And this is where being able to outline things is useful, but for short stories, I always find outlines really end up just being like the vomit draft of the story instead of an outline with bullet points. Right. <laughs> I always kind of do like the version where I just sort of tell everything that happens and then each of those paragraphs suddenly like, you know, they start from a sentence and then it's a paragraph and then that paragraph becomes a scene and then that scene, you know, takes over. Yeah. But that's how Mary taught me to to outline. Yeah. She teaches Mice Method yes. by Orson Scott Card. And we've mentioned it before, but for those who don't remember, it's Milu, idea, character, or event. Those are the four portions of that acronym. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that actually, that, that's also another thing. If you start layering those things uh, using Mary slash Orson Scott card method, what is the word I'm looking for? Tearing, you know, you, you use. Yeah. yeah. But if you start using that where, where, you know, you open one 
story question, like say like it's an idea story, and then you start talking a little bit about character. Every time you add one of those elements, it's going to add at least, I, I think Mary said, one to 2,000 words. You're not just introducing a character. You're you're asking a question, you're presenting a, a thing, and then you have to close that question before you can move on to the, the, the next one. But this is my problem, because... The Cinderella story, I outlined it as a character story, according to the mice quotient. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it still wound up as <laughs> it should have been a 5,000-word story. I outlined it as a 5,000-word story. Yeah. But yeah. I think with Cinderella... And, and the same thing. The same thing happened with, with my Bible Paradise story. <laughs> I outlined it yes. as... A, 5,000-word story. It ended up as uh, 7,500 words, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I cut it down to 6,000, and then I started sending it, sending it around, and then I got a note from an editor who looked at it and loved it, and they said, I think this is a novel. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And what I've found is that she was right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's its own separate problem. Yes. <laughs> and this is this keeps happening. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> Let's go back to the whole Cinderella story. Cinderella is one of those stories where it, everybody knows it. It's, everybody's familiar with the story. So talking about it, you said it was like a character story, but in another in another sense, it's also it's also a setting story. Because I was I was going to say to me, it seems more like an incident story. Really? <laughs> so we have different interpretations. I love how we all, we all came to a completely different <laughs> Now I'm starting to understand why it's gotten so unwieldy. <laughs> well, okay. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Because I feel like it's, it's kind yeah. of a, a setting or milieu story. Because she leaves a place she enters a place and she goes back to a place and there's that element of it in the story so, so it's okay. oh see i see the specific things that happen to her are what drives the story it's not really about her it's about what happens to her and so that's where i see it huh. <laughs> see i think the other side of this is that all of those things work for this which is what makes it very confusing <laughs> yes yeah so so if we want to talk about it in terms of what you think should be happening versus what's actually happening, to a certain extent, a vomit draft is always going to be a little bit longer than your final draft, or at least it should, unless you're one of those people who starts from a very bare bones and then fills in, fills in, fills in. That's Hello. me. And so on. Have you met me? <laughs> yes. But once you do the fluff out, you should be able to, you should be able to comb it back too. Sure. So I'm wondering if how much of it is that as opposed to... Yeah. You know, that it just keeps fluffing out. <laughs> I really want to hear about the take, Nina, your take on it as a character piece, because that's the part that resonates with you. How is this playing out for you that way? So the Cinderella, or Ella, because, you know, <laughs> Ella. Of course. She's model who has a mental breakdown after a traumatic event during a shoot. Uh, she went to a facility to get better, but she, after she's gotten back from the facility, she's been agoraphobic. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. There's the evil stepmother who's, or mother, 
in this case, or momager, actually, (laughs) who's making her do this thing. She threatens to physically get her from her apartment to go to this shoot. And the glass shoe is actually an android chassis that she can control from her couch. Hmm. That goes to the shoot instead of her. So... Basically, the story is more or less a growth story for our Cinderella to be able to say no to her momager. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. That's cool. I like the take. Thank you. In concerning short stories, what I often see what happens is that there's some backstory that you think about that makes everything possible. In fact, my VP submission story, when I initially wrote it, changed a lot from where I started to where it ended up because I had to get closer to the action. But I still had to write the backstory to get there. Sure. I think with a lot of beginning writers, they don't realize where the beginning of their story starts. Oh my God, this is such a problem. Seriously. It is. It is the biggest problem. In my view, the action that changes the arc is the phone call that Ella gets from her mother saying that you will get to this shoot or I will drag you there. Okay. And that's where it starts. Okay. So there's an outside action prompting her for a reaction. Yes. Usually we have this try-fail cycle in a story where the character is going to start something, they fail, they try something new, they fail again, they try something again. There's usually a growth period at the end of that where either a realization is tried, they may have given up a certain desire that they stated in the beginning to grow. Can you tell me a little bit about that for the short story? The growth cycle sort of comes from the distance that the android provides. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't have to be physically in the same space as her mother, she starts to realize that she doesn't have to do everything her mother says. Nice. Nice. Okay. Do you have moments where she maybe resists in one way, but still she kind of goes on? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm trying to piece this together about how long this would be. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me the word count again? Because I've already, we've, we've splashed around in word counts yeah. and I'm... 12,000. Yes. 12,000 words. And and that maybe is a good place to to talk about how hairy it is to try to define the actual size of a story as what it is. Yes. <laughs> so we ha- we actually have happen to have in front of us the, what are these, the Hugo classifications for, yeah. for story lengths. Such professional. Such professional <laughs> right off of the internet. So short story is anything less than 7,500 words. Novelette between 7,500 and 17,500 words. Novella. 17,540,000, and a novel is anything over 40,000. So let's circle back to short story. Sure. <laughs> and of course, short story, I mean, depending on the publisher, it could be anything, you know, really right bumping up to what qual- qualifies as a novella, according to the Hugos. Right. Yeah. I know of at least a few places that will publish you know, up to 12,000 words and a few places it'll go a little higher or a little lower than that. Also, I think Clark's World defines novella as starting from 10,000 words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they do. Um, well, I think they actually, what they qualify as a novella is really more of a novelette. 
And it, most people that I yeah. that I know who have sold a story that size to Clark's World called it a, no, a novelette. Yeah. Yeah. For those people submitting, especially uh, short stories, uh, I mean, they, a lot of people will, will tell you what their submission guidelines are. And, and 7,500 yeah. is a good rough yes. guideline. That's a good guideline. Yeah. However, if you are unpublished and you are looking <laughs> for your first published short story, it's highly recommended that you keep your story 4,000 words, roughly, a little bit less. Uh, depends on who you're sending it, it to, depends, but yeah, yeah, that's a good ballpark because that that can tell the editor that you have a good idea of what constitutes a story. Yeah, yeah. Yes, four to 5,000 words. Good, yeah, good idea at the very least. It's a good length for them to introduce you. Usually you see some of those longer stories, especially when you start getting into novelette, uh, novella lengths. These people are typically, not all the time, but typically they have published many stories before. Maybe they have done a, a few novels before. They wanted to do something shorter. It's it's in that air, in that range where you have more experienced writers in that space. Yes, right. The thing is that, too... Almost every newer writer is writing with too many words. Yeah. And I say that I say that as a person who is in that particular ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> I overwrite like crazy. So I would say for somebody who's coming to this relatively new, if you are writing fiction that is landing in the, I'm going to say 5,000 to 8,000 window, it's quite possible that your story is actually closer to three to six thousand yeah. words. I, I do want to talk about the other yeah. end of this uh, of the the story. You know the classifications here. Uh, novels, okay. Now yeah. Hugo classification says over forty thousand. Okay, yeah. You, if you're doing your yeah. first novel, and in fact, I was seeing a Twitter conversation between an agent and and some guy. The, the agent was basically saying, if this is your first novel and you're doing science fiction fantasy. It has to come in at at least eighty thousand. Yeah, Nana Rimo calls it at fifty k because Brave New World is exactly fifty k. Is it? Mm, yes. <laughs> wow. So we got through the sizing questions there. I don't think we got to strategies for figuring out some of this sizing <laughs> right. stuff. No, <laughs> I feel like we kind of kind of skipped that part. Right. <laughs> yes. So let's. Let, let, Let's just kind of go back to part of Mary's method. Yeah. So for every significant character that you're going to have. Yes. Not counting the window dressing, because occasionally you're going to have window dressing characters and, and that's different. But sure. Yeah. The number of characters whose out outcomes are affected on screen. Yes. Uh, that the reader is expected to care about. Exactly. So for every one of those in a short story context, uh, 500 to 1,000 words for each one of them. Makes sense. For every setting. Is it 500 or is it, I'm trying to... I would say I'd call it 500 to 1,000 for set pieces as well, yeah. Okay, right. For every idea, especially if you're going with the mice method, for every idea that yeah. you contain in there is 1,000 words, bare, yeah. at bare minimum. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see why my Cinderella story is... <laughs> <laughs> the moment of clarity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's only three settings. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. oh, actually four, yeah, yeah. five. <laughs> yeah. And every okay, this is another point for every scene break that you have that adds another five hundred words. 
even if you're switching between familiar scenes, familiar places, it's, you know, yeah. you're basically stopping the story yeah. and then getting back into another portion. So it can't. Anytime that you're splitting things up like that, that's. Yes. That grouping method adds words. Yep. Which is good. Honestly, I mean, like, leading the, the reader around the story is fine. That's not a that's not a problem. It's just a matter of evaluating where that yes. is going to yeah. influence your word count. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how this works for anybody else, but for me, what point of view I select is also important. If if I if I pick like a first person kind of a casual thing, my dialogue and everything like that moves a little quicker. But if I'm a little more omniscient, if I'm a little more away from the the space, it gets a little bit weightier. Distance is actually really important in terms of evaluating word count mm-hmm. because the more distant you are from your characters, the more word count that you need to explain what's going on, mm-hmm. the more word count that you need for the reader to feel comfortable with the material. Right. They get distance from the way that the story is written. So the more distant that you keep them, the more words that you need to do to keep them distant. Yeah. Listeners can't actually see this right now, but I'm giving myself a hug because I thought it was just me and I'm feeling pretty good about (laughs) figuring that one out. Nope, nope. You're all good. No, not not just you. No. No, that's not crazy at all. That's completely believable. Also, this is helping me see the trend because I have this tendency to just throw ideas around like they're candy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And sometimes I can add beef to to your stew without meaning to. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of didn't realize I was doing that until Jilly said that I'm one of those writers who just expects her readers to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, that's not a bad attitude to have no, about writing. It's no, just no. that if you have too many of those things in one story, mm-hmm. then your reader yeah. goes like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah. That's actually a good problem to have because it's better than not having enough ideas. But the other problem is, is that a lot of writers, especially the stuff that, that I've read that is, you know, editing and, and uh, what have you, they often try to backfill everything and, and try to fill in all of the gaps so that the reader isn't doing any <laughs> yeah. work. Um, yeah, that's really unsatisfying for the reader, by the way. <laughs> you got the other problem where you're expecting the, the reader to, to come along. That's I, I think that may be easier to work with because you're filling yes. in gaps rather than finding out which where to cut so so one of the other things i wanted to throw out there because it's something that happens to me mm-hmm. is world building it can very quickly take over a short story without intending to mm-hmm. when yes. you have this cool <laughs> idea about how the the way this world works and the story like the inciting incident and the events that circle it are not really weighty enough to hold a novel but you're placing it in the context of a scene that needs a lot of explanation world building can really quickly take over that and make a story that really probably did cap out at about eight (laughs) thousand words into something that is that is verging on novella territory without actually having the heft of a novella Mm -hmm. and that can be a problem okay help me remember this because i think we've maybe talked about this before maybe in our own personal conversations yeah Somebody mentioned that in any story, especially in a short story, you can only have or you should only have one really super weird thing. If you have too many weird things going on, it's very taxing for the reader. But if you have one challenging thing. Moving, the, you know, you have to simplify some of the other stuff around. Exactly. 
So you can have either a weird point of view or a weird story. Yeah. Well, or like you can have a weird incident or a weird character or like right. the weirder you make one of those elements, assuming you're going by the mice question here, the weirder you make one of those elements, the more grounded some of the other elements have to be exactly. for the reader yes. to be able to follow along with you. This is where it's helpful in, especially in science fiction fantasy, to maybe lean on certain tropes. If you're going off in a different direction on one thing, it's nice to give that piece some structure mm -hmm. underneath it. One of my stories kind of leans heavily into the cyberpunk. So I'm using a lot of those tropes to hold up a different portion of my story. So in that case, so you have you have a milieu that is going to be a little bit quirky. And so your characters are probably going to have to have a little bit more attention to making them relatable to the reader so that they don't get lost in what's going on yeah. around those characters. Yeah, exactly. And that's my opinion. This is anyway. kind of kind of also where I run into this cultural problem with being a Finnish writer writing in English for an American market. Yes. In that I found out in VP that I am apparently exotic mm. as yeah. a Finn. As much as I hate the word exotic, it's not... Yeah, you're, you are writing from an outside viewpoint. Yes. And so what you view as eccentric is going to be very different from what we view as eccentric. Plus also what I view as commonplace and something yeah, that's immediately and vice versa, clear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Seems exotic yeah. to us, so... Of course I'm using my background because A, it's the stuff I know, mm -hmm. and B... It's exotic and exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have a you have a problem because your setting, I guess world building, would be different from ours, at least in theory, if not in practice. Mm -hmm. So I can yes. see where that would be like even just a story that is, say, magical realism set in Finland is going to have some eccentricities that the the reader in English is going to see and go, Oh, that's really strange, even though it's not 24 yeah. hour days yeah yeah the the idea that you guys use what we call military time <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that, that too the, the very fact that uh, everybody else in the world uses celsius versus fahrenheit is kind of foreign to <laughs> yeah. americans so meters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i like metric i as a person who had to work for 10 years in a professional setting where we had to do a lot of measuring holy crap yes. do i like the metric system yeah. The metric system is awesome. It is. And it's just us and Bur I think Burundi and one other small country that. <laughs> but in any case, there are things in my world that I inhabit. Mm -hmm. I think you almost have to consider part of that when you're doing your writing. Some of the explanations that you may have to include there are going to be different from something that I write or something that Jay writes or something like that. Depending yeah. on which audience that you're going for. You may need to explain a little bit more <laughs> where we wouldn't, you know, expect to. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. It, it does put a weight of explanation on your prose that I'm going to call it unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought of a, a thing that, that I've done and I, I know other writers do is that to maybe get a better sense of their story and how long it's going to be and maybe what they can do to help get it to their target number is after you've written the story, then outline it so you can see it. Yeah, I actually do that with novels. 
I outline, I write the thing, I set it aside for at least six weeks,、mm-hmm. and then I re outline the thing. Yeah, it's actually helpful for short stories as well. You get to see gaps, or you get to see a portion of, hey, this is really where my story really is taking off. This is, yeah, th- yeah this it can is help you figure out where your inciting incident is. Yeah. And- yeah. Very clearly, to me anyway, it visualizes where the core of your story is. Honestly, if you're going to look at your short story objectively, look towards the bottom of that outline. Because、yes. that, that top、yeah. portion may be not important. It's maybe backstory that you can maybe feather in as details. Yeah. One of the things that occurred to me as you were saying that is it's also a good place when you're doing that re- reverse outline. If you're able to have the kind of inter- introspection or self reflection that allows you to give your own work the ABCD treatment, where you、mm-hmm. can look at it、yeah. and go, like, this is an awesome moment that I want. This is why I wanted to write this story.、Right. Ooh, this accidentally turned really boring, even though this, I thought this was really important. Yeah. This is confusing because I'm having trouble explaining it. And it shouldn't be something that's difficult to explain. Yes. Oh, wait, whoops. I just totally made up this part so that I could get to the cool part. <laughs> <laughs> and it's no longer believable. And so it is triggering disbelief. Right. Yes. Although the, the disbelief can also flag areas where you, be, you need to take more time. You need to beef up your you plot. You need to beef、Absolutely. up that portion. So. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this quickly exploded from a short. Short podcast into a、uh, so, novel length excursion. Just, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, just so in summary, there are guidelines for, for story lengths. Probably better to write to the story length rather than trying to write a story to a certain length. Use the tools, especially the Mary tools. Mice. Mice, the, the evaluation of, of how many character scenes,、uh, how many themes you want to explore. We didn't even really get into like an, a theme because that's another thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think theme folds with ideas <laughs> in terms of like, like the concepts you're trying to express. Lengthwise, at least, let me tag this on as well. We've already talked character 500 to 1,000, scenes 500 to 1,000, each portion of that mice is 1,000, and a theme, <laughs> your overall theme、yeah. is also going to tag on 1,000 words. But you can definitely tighten down from those things. This、yeah. is like, again, we're talking about peak writing. Yep. To get an idea of the story.、But、yeah. There's always an exception. There's always、mm-hmm. something、yes. that's just not going to cooperate. So don't feel bad if there's some aspect of this that is just not clicking. Because、mm-hmm. this is part of the process. And, and this, is a, this is actually a lot to take in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Tim, have you read any good books lately? I have been reading Updraft by Viable Paradise alumnus and recent Andre Norton winner Fran Wilde. Yeah, this is a really fascinating book. And the thing that I'm really digging about this, you know, we were kind of talking about weirdness earlier in here.、Mm-hmm. The world building in Updraft is just phenomenal. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, the characters are solid and everything like that, but Fran has created this just. Yes. I can't actually tell you the, the world building out of it because you almost have to experience it. It is 
mind blowing. I have two words for you:、mm-hmm. invisible octopuses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't make you want to read this book, then what are you even doing with your life? Exactly. <laughs> really, it's her debut novel. It's actually really stunning. It, like I said, she just won the Andre Norton Award for it, the Nebulas. That's for the best YA book. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's very, very, very good. So, Jay, <laughs> what have you been reading? Ah,、uh, I've been reading a lot of things and not finishing them. So I'm going to talk about <laughs> one of those. And it's not that I'm not finishing it because I'm, you know, not. Engrossed or whatever, I have a lot going on right now, and my ability to concentrate, focus, and finish things is at a near zero. Yeah. So、uh, I'm reading the first of the Hawk Moon books by Michael Moorcock, "The Jewel in the Skull." Oh, cool! Which is a, an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. One of the Eternal Champions series. I'm really like trying to come up with a way to summarize this because. Michael Moorcock is never easy to summarize <laughs> unless you just want to get into evil talking swords. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but yeah. So I'm kind of going through the backlog of kind of I don't want to call it trashy because it's not it's not trashy, but it's definitely very much an old sword and sorcery. Pulpy. Pulp is a good word. Yeah. Pulp is a very good word, especially for Moorcock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really enjoying my my deep delve into into pulp over the、nice. past couple of weeks.、Nice. So yeah, the Hawkmoon series, book one, Jewel in the Skull, Michael Moorcock. Hey Nina. Hey Jay. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> What have you been reading? I'm going to go ahead and recommend a book by my friend. Marguerite Reed. This is a book called Archangel. It is the first book in the Chronicles of Eubastis series, and it was recently published as an audio book. So I'm actually finally gotten、Able、around to reading it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about world building. It's basically set in a world where the Earth is dying and humans have gone out and colonized other worlds.、Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It explores constant culture in a way that is. I'm gonna go ahead and say revolutionary. All right, nice. It's amazing. The main character is a xenobiologist and also a hunter because, of course, yeah. <laughs> and most people are vegetarians because you don't want to use up the resources of these alien planets.、Mm-hmm. And there's this whole debate going on whether or not they actually fully colonize the planet instead of having outposts.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the main character is basically trying to protect paradise. Nice, cool. It's such a very cool book. It's it's very personal. Yeah, personal is great. It also has this very nice take on actually having religion in a science fiction setting. Okay. In that it's branched out from what we see today into something else. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. It almost sounds like a. I mean, when you're talking about the book, I was thinking of Dune because a lot of the same, similar. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first thing that occurred to me too. Yeah. It has a lot of similarity, except instead of desert, it's、mm-hmm. more like a dinosaurian jungle. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> and there are actually things that can be classified as dinosaurs. All right, cool. Nice. Yes. Oh, I'm very excited about that. I I just put this on my to be read list because it sounds like it is a right up my alley. Yeah. Yes. And because I, you know, don't have enough other books I haven't finished yet. <laughs> no, definitely not. This has been the Mad Writers Union. Now let's get to work. Our intro music is Cephalopod, and our interlude music is Exotics, both by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show and are inspired to write us a note and let us know what you think. You can reach us at our website, madwritersunion.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash themadwritersunion. You can tweet to us on our Twitter handle at madwritersunion. And last but not least, you can email us at madwritersunion at gmail.com. And everybody kind of understands the story. It's common. Uh, it's in our common parlance. Oh, my God. I just yes. cut that. Please. You have to re- Can you re-say that? Can you say common parlance, parlance for me, please? No. <laughs> you're not just... even going to say it? You're going to you're gonna go back and just cut that whole thing out? Because well, I may have to, like, then they have to graft all of this together. Oh, God. Let me try this Let's again. Let's re-say this. Yeah. Restate it. <laughs> <laughs>